Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys achieve more success. We're glad you can listen today on Legal Talk Network. Today's episode is about well, it's about marketing and sales and production, because what it's really about is one of actually my favorite topics. Um, when I have conversations and seminars and, and CLEs around the country, one of the things we talk about a lot is finding your niche and. I get a lot of resistance, not like people don't object in the audience, but, you know, just I think less kind of disbelief, like like people really want to hold on to the ability to do everything or at least a lot of things. But uh, talk a lot about finding your niche and then, you know, expounding on that. And the clearer you are about who you serve and who you don't, the clearer your marketing will be, the easier your sales will be, the better your value proposition will be, and the easier it will be to create and systematize your production. So the title of today's show then is How to Become Niche. And my guest today is Jacob or Jake Slowick. Um, Jake is a 2012 Harvard law grad, um, and he is now of counsel to Joseph Alim and Slowick um, in Atlanta, which he built with his partner Yusuf Ahim to a multi-million dollar law firm before they were 30 years old. So pay attention, folks. We might have something uh, pretty cool to learn here today from Jake. Uh, more specifically, Jake is also the co-author of a book with Yusuf uh, called Small Law, Big Success, How to Use the Business Niche Specialization to Grow a Multi-Million Dollar Law Practice. And of course, I am your host, Christopher Anderson, and I'm an attorney with a singular passion for helping other lawyers achieve success with their law firm businesses. In the Unbillable Hour, each month we explore an area important to help you be a more profitable lawyer through growing your revenues, getting back more of your time, and or getting more professional satisfaction from your business. The Unbillable Hour is dedicated to bringing you guests each month to help you learn more about how to make your law firm businesses work for you instead of the other way around. And of course, before we get started, I do want to say a thank you to our sponsors, Answer One, Solo Practice University, Scorpion, and Law Clerk. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering services provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-1 or online at www.answerone.com. And that's www and the little dot, the word answer and the number one, dot com. Solo Practice University is a great resource for solos no matter how long you've been practicing. Make sure you check out solopracticeuniversity.com and learn how to run your practice better. Scorpion crushes the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award-winning website and ROI-positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. Law Clerk, where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Visit lawclerk.legal to learn how to increase your productivity and your profits by working with talented freelance lawyers. Today's episode of the Unbillable Hour again is how to become niche 
And my guest once more is Jacob Slowick, and uh, he's the author of Small Law, Big Success, How to Use Business Niche Specialization to Grow a Multi-Million Dollar Law Practice. And Jake, welcome to the Unbillable Hour. Thank you, Christopher. It's an honor to be on. Yeah, we're really happy to have you. So notoriously, um, as always, uh, in the uh, Unbillable Hour, my introduction is brief and incomplete. Um, so just, uh, you know, I told our listeners that uh, you built with your partner a multi-million dollar law firm by the age of 30. Can you just tell us a little bit about that story? Like, how did you come to the realization that that's what you were going to do and wanted to do? Sure. I am happy to tell the story. Uh Yusuf and I uh, were classmates at Harvard Law School, and we became friends very quickly. Uh, following graduation, we both entered big law. Uh, I worked at a big firm in New York. He in Boston. I was doing commercial real estate uh, and other corporate matters, and he was uh, on the private equity side. He after a couple of years, he moved to Atlanta and took a position as uh, in-house counsel for a healthcare startup. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a consulting company, and the company's expertise was building out and developing uh, medical laboratories. Okay. And so, in that role, he initially became exposed to the healthcare industry, legal uh, regulation. Byzantine within healthcare, (laughs) and um, he found himself meeting with other startups, other healthcare clients, and the resounding, uh, recurring message was always, we need help uh, with legal and regulatory matters. And so he invited me to come south and join him, and uh, we began uh, the standalone practice, the law practice, and started taking on other clients other than this consulting company. So very early on, there was a focus on healthcare and generally speaking, the the practice and the, the hand we were dealt was to represent companies involved in various aspects of medical laboratories. And here I'm talking about toxicology, pathology, right. and genetics testing more specifically. And it was very organic growth and kind of one introduction led to another introduction, which led to a service provider, which led to another laboratory and so on and so forth. And very soon we, you know, kind of growing through our representation on very uh, unique issues and challenges facing these laboratories, we found we were able to develop a a pretty steady book of business representing you know, a few dozen lab- medical laboratories all o- all over yeah. the country, and that growth happened fairly quickly. Cool. And it was, you know, again, we were focused on the specific laboratory niche, right? And you know, I'm sure we'll go into more detail about why, kind of how that came about. Yeah, I hope so. So, in fact, the next thing I wanted to, you know, <laughs> I was hoping uh, to figure out a great way to segue since you you said book of business. I was going to ask you about the book, but uh, I can't figure out a good segue, so I'll just do it. So, this is great. So, you had this early success. You realized this niche, and you joined uh, Yusuf in, in building it down here in Atlanta. But then you decided to write this book that we've been talking about here Uh you know, the small law, big success, and how how to use niche specialization. So you know you're you're there building a law firm. Most people, when they're getting 
you know, getting their law firm started off the ground and growing, don't then turn around and say, hey, let's write a book about this. And you did. So what, what, what made you decide to write the book? Well, I think a couple of things. Uh, we obviously have a, a very wide network of other attorneys, uh, classmate, former classmates, um, colleagues, and a mm-hmm. lot of them, you know, through our discussions, you know, people became interested in what we were doing and how we had done it. And it occurred to us that what we had done was quite unique, especially given our age. And I kind of come from a more of a, a, a case study background, courses in undergrad and law school. I kind of value the idea of reading about a case study. And I said, you know, this would make you know, through informal discussions with, with Yusuf and with others. I said, you know, this would be an interesting case study. Mm-hmm. And it kind of became in, well, what are the lessons? Is this, can this be repeated? And so we kind of set, set pen to paper and said, you know, are there things that are applicable that can be repeated right? and right. other people can use for success in other ways? And I think through writing that out, I think the answer is yes. You know, uh, obviously it's more of a, it was more of a reverse engineering process than anything. Uh, I, I can't say that when I moved down to Atlanta, uh, we had uh, from start to finish blueprints of exactly what was going to happen, that exactly we were going to uh, create this law firm, you know, focused on a very specific laboratory niche. But that's what happened. And I think some of the lessons and strategies are, can be adapted to lots of other niches and, and, and done by other attorneys. So that's, that's really why we wrote this book. Well, that makes sense. And so like what, when we talk about, can it be replicated? Can it be, you know, can it be repeated? I think the best place to start answering that question is, first of all, to really uh, define what we're talking about here, because uh, I think a lot of lawyers know what specialization is. And some lawyers, particularly lawyers that have listened to me, um, know what a niche is. But you use four words put together, um, or actually, I guess three words put together that might mean something different. So you say business niche specialization. What does it mean when you say business niche specialization? Sure. Great question. It is a fundamental point that we make in the book. Business niche specialization yeah. for us is not only not only legal skill or legal transaction or legal matter or even industry level specialization. Uh, for us, this is a particular uh, operation or type of business that operates within an industry. So you're kind of going a, another granular level down from industry. And particularly, our example is obviously in healthcare. Now, there are a lot of mm-hmm. attorneys who market themselves as healthcare attorneys, but even within healthcare, obviously there are many, many different types of providers. There are pharmaceutical companies, there are hospitals, there are private insurance companies. So we, you know, we focus on medical laboratories. Now that's a very, very small niche. You know, you can go even smaller with toxicology laboratories. So there's not a, a one size fits all, I guess, definition of business niche. Sure. They they can look different, but I think the important thing is to recognize that this is this goes another level of specificity beyond just industry specialization. Right. Yeah. So the in- industry would be healthcare lawyer and business niche is going down that one level to say laboratory, uh, medical laboratory, healthcare laboratory. Right. And then at that level of laboratory, now, do you do 
everything for these businesses or is what you do for them also specialized? That's a great question again. And the idea is we try to make ourselves as much as possible a generalist for that particular business niche. Got it. So in other words, we want to set up their business, maintain their corporate formalities. We want to do commercial contracts, the day-to-day stuff, employment matters. Uh, Heaven forbid if they get involved in any litigation, we like to handle that as well as a kind of thread running through all of this that enabled our success as regulation as well. Right. And that's a big part of, of why this particular niche was was good for us. Yeah. Okay. So so you drill down to a business niche, but then you, you try to serve as many purposes as you can. And I imagine there are some that you might partner up or, or co-counsel with when it uh, requires an outside area of expertise. Yes. We have partnered up and created relationships with other counsel, depending on the nature of the matter, specifically, you know, tax, I think. And there has been one criminal matter that we've worked with a criminal law firm before, but those types of things, um, you know, they, they happen and it's good. But again, it goes back to this idea that, you know, if you're the CEO of a medical laboratory and you've got two potential lawyers, you're considering one lawyer is a healthcare lawyer who has never represented a laboratory before. And then the other lawyer is a laboratory lawyer. The laboratory lawyer has a much stronger hand in winning that business. Absolutely. Great. I'm talking with Jacob Slowick here now about uh, small law, big success, how to use business niche specialization to grow a multimillion dollar law practice. And and we've been talking so far about what business niche specialization is. We're going to hear from our sponsors here for a moment. And when we come back, I'm going to ask Jake to now take that concept and, and talk a little bit about how that increases the likelihood of success for a law firm um, to go into that business niche um, and specifically about marketing, sales, and systems, et cetera. But first, a word from our sponsors. Feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high value cases your firm deserves? For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours attract new cases and grow their practices. As a Google premier partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to aggressively market your law firm and generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast today. Ready to create and build your own solo or small firm practice? Need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business? There's only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals, Solo Practice University. The only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves. More than a thousand classes, 58 faculty and mentors. What are you waiting for? Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today. And welcome back to the Unbillable Hour. We're talking with Jake Slowick on building a law firm business using business niche specialization. Um, We finished talking about what that is. So now I wanted to ask you, Jake, obviously you did it um, and you've built a successful law firm based on a business niche um, that you specialized in. But what about that do you believe is replicable? What do you believe is the lesson to be learned by some other law firms that it increases their likelihood of success? Great question. And this is probably the most significant content that we put in the book, mm-hmm. Small Law, Big Success. The characteristics of a business niche that we believe 
increase the likelihood that you'll be able to create a successful law firm focusing on that business niche. And again, we've kind of distilled these characteristics from our own experience and and have looked elsewhere to other examples of niches. So first characteristic of a business niche that we've pinpointed as indicative of future success is that it is a growing niche and that okay. you know seems to be self-evident you want an industry where there are new participants joining because obviously you want to grow your firm and, and increase your client roster so it's it's important to focus on an industry we think that is growing secondly not only is it growing but participants are profitable Businesses mm. that make profits are <laughs> yeah. more likely to be able to pay legal bills. So it was important for us to seek out businesses that were already profitable. This was not uh, more of a hypothetical potential future business. A lot of folks that are interested in niche uh, business niches. They like to focus on startups and startups are great. And, and a right. lot of the companies we worked with were startups, but the, the runway from, you know, breaking ground on a laboratory or signing a lease on a laboratory and actually generating revenue and, and profitability is at, at the time that we were operating was somewhat less than a year. So it was, it was not a, a sense that we were hoping these businesses would take off. You know, we, we had examples that, of businesses that, right. that had taken off and they were profitable. And so that is one factor. That, that we liked. Third factor, we like to call it the, the industry has a, a robust middle class. So to illustrate that, and what we mean by that is that there are mid, mid-sized companies that have profits that are profitable, that have sophisticated legal needs to support you, know, you targeting them for providing legal services. If an industry is dominated by well-capitalized you know, VC com- VC-backed companies to the tune of you know, billions of dollars for research and development, that, that may be fine for a, a very, a massive law firm. You know, if you're a partner in a massive law firm that has the resources right. to marshal, that could be fine. But again, you know, I think our approach was small, lean, legal provider. Yeah, you're saying like, you know, stay away from car manufacturers, major airlines, probably not, not a good way exactly, to go. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, the last one is the body of law. You know, we want it to be both complex and evolving. So especially in healthcare, we've got a lot of federal laws and regulations. It's it's a thicket that must be navigated whenever you're trying to do something innovative in healthcare. You've got to kind of navigate this very robust regulatory body of law. And, and it was evolving. You know, Congress passed a few laws that, really impacted the way that laboratories are, have operated even within the last few years. And, you know, that that's important, you know, especially if you're starting in a niche. For us, we wanted to go from novice to expert quickly. And when you have a complicated, evolving uh, body of law, you know, you can do that. You can get a jump on the research and wade through these complex legal issues in real time, you know, with even more established competitive law firms in the same industry. Exactly. Yeah, because they're chasing it too. And and the, also the fact that it's a complex and, and evolving from a business, from a value proposition, it also means that the lawyer, you guys, um, who is spending the time getting to know that law, keeping up with it, making sure they're up to date, 
is providing a lot of value for your clients where there's a stable body of law that, uh, you know, once you know it, you know it, you're, uh, it's, it's not as valuable to them. So you're, 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 you've just got this great value proposition with a good, the middle class thing with a good number of businesses that, that can take advantage of it, profitable, that can pay you. And then growing um, so that, you know, you kind of, uh, this kind of makes me think of like a blue ocean strategy, right? That there's there's plenty of opportunity for you. You're not battling it out with other players who are trying to go after the same customers with the same product, uh, but you're rather in a, in a growing uh, field where you're, you're establishing a new market. That's really cool stuff. So let me ask you, you know, when you take these four factors and, you know, if other law firms are looking at this... I guess I've got two questions. The first one I'm going to say is, how does this affect your ability to get new clients? With the fact that you are really niched down into this business uh, niche specialization, does this impact, does this have a positive effect on your marketing and sales? Absolutely. The marketing is hyper-focused on almost identical you know, competitors to your existing clients, we'll say. Uh, I can't tell you how many times we had a client ask us, you know, I just read about this lawsuit or I just read about this new uh, regulation that passed in this state. Can you do the research and tell me how it affects my business? And, you know, we do that oftentimes as a professional courtesy because that work product can then be used in a newsletter or a pitch to another business who is operating in the same space and say, you know, hey, take note, you know, we, we haven't, uh, we haven't worked with you, you know, business X or laboratory X before, but, you know, we just recently did some research that which we think may significantly impact your operations. Here's our research. Let us know if you would like to discuss more about how, you know, this may affect you or things that you can do to, you know, get in compliance with these regulations. And so from a marketing standpoint, it enables you to, have value already to offer rather than saying, hey, we're a really good law firm. You should consider us next time you need something. We go with something valuable in hand to demonstrate you know, our, our ability for future value. But, but already we're, we're showing how we can, we can be useful to that client. And you're able to give them a taste of real value um, as part of your marketing that they learned even even just talking to you has already been valuable to them. Exactly. Well, we're talking with uh, Jake Slowick. Uh, we're going to take a break here and hear from our sponsors. We've been talking about niche specialization, business niche specialization to be specific, um, and how it's worked for Jake and how it can work for other law firms as well. Um, Jake, when we come back from the break, I'm going to ask you about um, sustainability. First of all, uh, you, you spent a good amount of time in the book talking about sustainability, um, what it looks like for your law firm, and again, the lessons that others can take away from that. And then I'd like to talk a little bit about some ethics and, and a couple other things. But first, uh, we'll hear from our sponsors, and then we'll be back in just a few. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a research memo or a complicated appellate brief, our network of freelance lawyers have every level of experience and expertise. Sign up is free, and there are no monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Use rebate code UNBILLABLE to get a $100 Amazon gift card when you complete your next project. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. If you're missing calls, appointments, and potential clients, it's time to work with Nexa Professional. 
More than just an answering service, Nexa's virtual receptionists are available 24-7 to schedule appointments, qualify leads, respond to emails, integrate with your firm's software, and much more. Nexa ensures your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 800-267-9371 or visit them at nexa.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. And welcome back again. We're talking with Jake Slowick, and we've been talking about uh, building his multi-million dollar law firm that by the time he and his partner were 30 years old through focusing on business niche specialization. And during the, the first part of the show, we were talking about what that is, what business niche specialization is, and then a little bit more about how that applies to other law firms and how it makes marketing and sales easier and how it really increases the likelihood of success for those firms. So now, what, uh, Jake, I'd like to turn our attention a little bit um, to your chapter. You, you spent a good amount of time talking about sustainability. And I wanted to ask you, what lessons in the growth of your business have you taken? And how does business niche specialization particularly feed into this concept of sustainability? Well, sure. Like you said, we did devote uh, a significant chapter of our book to sustainability because, uh, frankly, it, it was a very important lesson that we learned along the way. I kind of like to tell the this anecdote. Uh, Yusuf and I, for about our first year, uh, year plus of operations, uh, were basically going at the pace of an overworked senior associate at any big law firm. I don't think we had taken a day off uh, in, in, in several months. Sure. We were working you know, 9 a.m. To, to midnight almost every day. We we were living together at the time. So it was pretty much 24-7 work. And uh, we really, uh, we, we kind of woke up one day. It was, it was a little bit after New Year's. And we, we kind of had a heart-to-heart conversation where we said, you know, this is not good for our health, let alone good for the health of the firm. Yeah. And, we you know, we found ourselves, the strategy had worked. We had grown uh, a significant book of business within our niche. And a function of that was matters were, were coming in and, you know, we found ourselves needing to hire people and, you know, all of the expertise was kind of located in our brains. Uh, and we hadn't really done a, a lot of focus on what happens if one of us goes down for right. a week or, you know, we, we want to take a vacation, heaven forbid, you know, what happens? So, we really kind of took a little bit of time, a few days to kind of create this sustainability plan. You know, nothing too complicated or formulaic, uh, but, you know, the, the idea is, you know, I looked up the definition of sustainability. It's sort of like, how does this organism thrive in changing environments? And really, it, it, a lot of it has to do with the health of the law firm and thinking in terms of, you know, especially within a niche if you or your partner are the one or two go-to guys for, you know, the CEOs of a dozen or two dozen, you know, mid-sized high revenue companies, you know, they don't call every hour, but they do call at least one or two times a week. And you, you've got to be ready to provide pretty sophisticated legal analysis. So I think the lesson learned is that, you know, we have to sit down and think about this proactively, you know, not only from the perspective of how are we handling each matter, but how are we building the institutional capacity to serve these clients so that we are not overly dependent on any one person. Right. Yeah. So in fact, as you scale and as you grow, you can even 
at some point, the way you were going, you were not going to be able to maintain the level of quality because you weren't going to be as available. Exactly. So, you know, a big part of that was staffing. You know, and we talk about staffing in the book and how it's a little bit different for a niche special business niche specialization and that, you know, you want somebody who's flexible, who's actually interested in the business niche you've taken. Right. I don't think a lot of people go into law, law school hoping to become medical laboratory lawyers, but, you know, if they have some medical interest or, you know, they just find the, the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the niche that fascinating, that is kind of, that can go, you know, further than, you know, maybe a litigation superstar who, you know, has no, Exactly. No clue about how laboratory works or, or, or no, and no curiosity necessarily. So how did you, like you said, you, you, you didn't get overly formulaic, you didn't make it too complicated, but how did you record what you needed to record to maintain the sustainability? Like, what's that look like in your business? Yeah, I mean, I think there's sort of a, just a, a, an informal memo type document that, that we say, you know, mm-hmm. what are the, they, they memorialize the issues that we think are related to sustainability. So you sit down and say, okay, what is sustainability for this law firm? Not just any law firm, this law firm in particular. And that involves a discussion of, of specific right. clients, specific matters. Obviously, there's a discussion of, of cash flows and, and expenses. And, you know, you kind of, you kind of pressure test, you know, you kind of poke the tires, so to speak, you know, (laughs) you play a game of what if, what if, you know, Yusuf had to go on vacation for two weeks right now, you know, who is going to do what, what if big client X who represents X percentage of our revenue disappears tomorrow, you know, those kind of questions, and, you know, you kind of come up with the best answer you can, knowing that, you know, none of these scenarios necessarily are going to happen um, and you cannot game out every single thing. But you kind of start in responding to these scenarios. We kind of sort of developed, uh, well, it would be good to have this, this and this. It would be good to have, you know, a file, to, a memo to file. Uh, with all of the research on these issues, those issues, that issue, so that, you know, if somebody needs to get caught up to speed, they're not forced to just go to your, you know, if you're, if you have your appendix out, they don't have to go to your hospital bedside to get caught up to speed on the matter. Cool. So we, as we come up towards the end of the show, what I wanted to ask you about, uh, because you did write about this and, and, and I think it's something that we should talk about with our listeners is when we boil down, when we get down to this business niche specialization, um, I think it brings up some ethical considerations that uh, you bump into more frequently than others might. So would you just discuss like what, what ethical considerations you think if someone's considering, hey, you know, maybe this niche business niche uh, specializations for me, uh, what should they be thinking about? What should they be paying attention to? Great question. And I think when you're the number one consideration when you decide to focus on any niche or specifically a business niche is you're usually playing in a small playground or a small pool. You know, if your your clients, if you're, especially if you get very specific with your niche, you're dealing with clients who know each other very well. Some of them, you know, don't like each other. They're competitive. Some like, some like each other now, but maybe they don't like each other in two right. or three years. You know, you've got this joint venture, you know, you, you get two different, clients come to you and say, Hey, we want to work together. Can you be both of our lawyers? You know, so conflict of interest comes up very quickly. Obviously, number one, 
you want to preserve client confidentiality at all costs. Sure. Sometimes yeah. the clients have already waived that by coming to you jointly, but you know, it takes a very, very calculated, proactive approach to conflicts of interest when it comes to operating in a business niche. And, and I'm talking not only competitors, but service providers as well. You know, in the medical field, uh, medical billing companies are an integral part of uh, most mid-sized to large providers' uh, business models. And you know, you can become friendly with service providers, and that can be a great marketing tool and way to meet other potential clients. But you also have to evaluate that you know, particular service provider's reputation. You know, are they getting in disputes with other people? Um, are they getting disputes with my clients? You know, the, the relationship dynamics can change very quickly when somebody comes to you and says, hey, I want to sue this company that, and, and you in the back of your mind, you're very good friends with that company. You, you have been connected to other clients through the company. So again, the approach that we take is, you know, very, very proactive from the start. And it also involves a constant reevaluation, you know, okay, where this client's business is going, you know, do we foresee potential conflicts down the road? And it's always much better to, to call up a client and say, hey, you know, you're exploring this potential business opportunity and you've mentioned these particular players. I just, just want to let you know, if you do decide to partner up with this person, we may have a potential conflict of interest issue or you know, the, these things are, it's always, it's always better not to surprise clients with, with ethical sure. things. And it also sends a very good marketing signal that you are very, very concerned and, and focused on avoiding any issues and, and obviously following the the rules that are applicable to the, your law firm. It does send a signal that you care about this stuff and you're practicing uh, or operating with integrity. And, and that you care about the clients. Absolutely. Which is great. Yeah. All right. So the last question I want to exit with is, um, I think, you know, this topic is intriguing and a lot of law firms are kind of looking for their formula uh, to achieve what you've achieved, um, you know, that, that have been stuck and, and they've heard people talk about the niches, but now they've listened to this or they're listening to this and they, they see this example of how really great a business specialization or a business niche specialization worked for you. Is this for everybody? You know, in closing, what would you advise law firm owners that are listening to this as to whether or not they're, this is the right direction for them? Sure. It's a great question. And I think that it, it and we, we're very clear in the book that it may not be for everybody. Our specific focus on business niche specialization requires that you have a comfort with um, sort of attacking different areas and different matters and transactions and, and learning. So if you're not the type of person to pick up, you know, if, if you get a client that signs up that is in an industry where you've never practiced in, if you're not inclined to pick up every book you can and do a Google search and research every case you can that has happened that potentially may affect that, that industry and get up to speed as quickly as possible, then it, it, it may not be for you. Again, there's still some risk involved from a business perspective. You're going out there and you're saying, you're hanging your shingle saying, I'm in this niche. This is who I am. I'm specializing in this. You know, there's always a risk that it doesn't work out. So, you know, if you have significant obligations that, you know, are going to limit your ability to, to ride out a few months 
you know, lean, lean months here and there, you know, it may not be for you. And that's obviously a consideration every attorney has to make on their own, given their own circumstances. Uh, Yusuf and I were young, you know, we didn't really have anything in the way of familial obligations, not married, no kids. I didn't have a mortgage. So we could kind of be patient and invest upfront in the, the learning to get us caught up to speed, to go from novice to expert, knowing that we weren't going to have to, you know, pay salaries and pay rent and pay overhead for, you know, a huge operation. Yeah. Well, you know what? You're still young, my friend, and uh, great job so far. It's uh, it's pretty awesome stuff. Thank you, thank you, uh, Jacob. Thanks so much for for being on here. This wraps up um, this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Business Advisory Podcast. Our guest today has been Jake Slowick, and he's again the author, along uh, with his partner, of Small Law Big Success: How to Use Business Niche Specialization to Grow a Multi Million Dollar Law Practice. Jake, this always goes by so fast. Um, if people want to learn more about you or send you a question, uh, do you have a website or a Twitter handle, Facebook email, anything you'd like to share with the listeners about how they can get in touch more with you? Sure. The website is josephaleem.com, J-O-S-E-P-H-A-L-E-E-M.com. My Twitter is at Jake Slowick, and Slowick is S-L-O-W-I-K. And if you just Google uh, small law, big success, we're for sale on Amazon and at our El- Edward Elgar website. Thanks again so much. This is Christopher Anderson. I look forward to seeing Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.